0: post piraresu is back everything is right in the world wh park has returned home after a a world tour with a stop off in toronto he just needed to see SummerSlam up close and personal as well as a return to o'grady's but now he is back here at the post office wh how are you i'm good john how are you i'm doing fantastic i'm doing i'm doing wonderful uh My laptop, not as much, but nonetheless, here we are. If you are listening to this show in its pristine quality, guess what? We outsmarted my laptop.
1: There you go. I gotta say, John, like being back in Toronto for 10 days was a fantastic experience. A lot of that, a lot of that time was spent with, with you and. And Mike Murray and a, and a bunch of the other post-wrestling people, it was a fantastic time. And I got to say, the uh, one of the highlights was the, uh, the Q&A meet-and-greet at the John Candy Box Office Theater. It was really fun to meet everyone. And, you know, like, once again, proving that you and Wei are legit draws. Brayden Davey, on their own, are legit draws. at The TakeOver tailgate was a lot of fun. Kudos to those two. And apparently, I'm a legit draw, John. People oh, came to me. Oh, I was me. going
0: to make mention. Like you were a big deal to a lot of people, uh, including uh, one of the people that was helping out with our show, which is so excited to meet W.H. Like you're this enigma, this voice in their ears, but to see you uh, in 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 the flesh was a big deal. People were asking me to critique what they were wearing at O'Grady. <laughs> it was weird. It's
1: very strange experience for me, John.
0: Did, did you hear a, a way's idea for – uh, because it would be so apropos at a, a, a weekend event based around full gear, for you to have your own fashion critique show?
1: See, Davey's already suggested this. He wants to do a show called The Fashion Files or something like that where I critique like people – in wrestling on their gear and stuff like that so maybe it actually be
0: a really fun idea like the the end of the year like you look at the the best and the worst gear because you have carved out this niche of a niche of a niche in an industry like all unto your own
1: well i already have a leading candidate for like the worst dress john should i should
0: i say who it is is uh, this- is, is this the uh, the tetsuya naito award of excellence what, not for- not for him winning this year, but uh, on, on past critiques of the man of the thousand tassels, N- uh, Naito.
1: Yeah, I guess we could we could dub it that that it go to this guy in NXT. Uh, what's his name? Nikos Nikos Lycos or some shit. He's yes, got this yes. asymmetrical fucking outfit on that looks like it's made of like garbage bags. I, it's horrible, absolutely fucking horrible, John. <laughs> He's the leading candidate. I don't know if anyone could beat him. Like seriously.
0: He's like the, uh, it's like the Okada Omega of the year. Jesus. It's like, can, can this possibly be topped? Or I, bottomed, we should say. I don't, no, I don't say. think,
1: I don't think he can be bottomed. Like, there's a lot of people with great gear. It's, 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 there's so many people with horrible gear. I'm actually watching a lot of like independent, American independent wrestling right now, John, and it's really dire out there. People like fucking step up your game, seriously. You look, you look like shit out there.
0: What's the line for you between, a certain charm at an independent level to like, what is your level of promotion where it's suddenly you need, you need a, a better gear budget?
1: Like, like, you know what, like level of promotion, like, okay. So if you're like,
0: once you, once you hit something like game changer, like what is your expectation level of what the gear game should look like versus, uh, you're, you're watching like, you know, in front of a hundred people in a high school gym.
1: Okay. You, you can get away to some extent with just like plain old trunks and boots and knee pads and shit like that. That's fine. You can even have like your, your logo or your, your, your symbol, whatever the fuck you want to put on it to identify yourself, stand out from the pack. Once you get into the vinyl pants and they're still bagging, you think it's 2004. Like, I'm sorry. There's no level where that's just like wrong on every level. Please no more baggy pants. No more fucking trash bag tops, tank tops either. That's just fucking so 2004 and I'm so done with that shit.
0: But I wanted your honest opinion. (laughs) That's what we always get from, WH, and that's what I always enjoy.
1: John, John, I'm not out there to chase the cloud, as it were. I'm here to entertain people and just be honest with myself and with everyone listening.
0: What were some of your your highlights? I mean, Summerslam weekend feels so long ago. I mean, we it, it was almost a month ago. But nonetheless, what what were some of your highlights of uh getting to come home? Uh it, it was great to see you. We went to a bunch of wrestling shows. Uh we got to do the the 1G1 show together, but uh and and we saw I thought the match of the weekend at least in Toronto uh with Walter and Daisuke Sakamoto.
1: Oh, that's the definite highlight, but you know, the the highlight would be uh meeting Daisuke Sakamoto after the show and uh, just uh you know, like Trying to have a broken English, broken Japanese conversation as he's, I think, trying to go to the change room or the washroom because like, that's we were like ships passing in the night. So that was a that you can hear that conversation over on the uh, the G1 climax uh, a a block final show that I did with you and Wei.
0: Yes, yeah, uh, you and I got to uh, chat with uh, Daniel a uh, really interesting uh, guy who was working on the uh, on the WXW show and then came back the the following day to do. Uh, it was the WXW show that we got to see him at, yeah.
1: Yeah, and he was, I think, yeah, he was on that. I saw him on the Ambition show the day before with uh, with Mike, so it was cool. He's a nice guy. Like, uh, he had, he and I have a mutual acquaintance, and his his friend in Seattle was, like, messaging me, oh, he wants to meet you, and I'm like, Why? So, like, apparently, in the independent <laughs> wrestling like world, I, people want to meet me for some reason. I, I, You're I don't an know influencer,
0: why. Influencer, wh?
1: No, no, no. I, I, I've, it's really strange. I don't like talking about this right, right now, John, because I feel people think, well, listen to this egotistical asshole here thinks he's hot no. shit or something. I, I don't think that. Believe me, people, I don't.
0: Uh, and I'd be remiss all these years later. How did O'Grady's hold up, oh. wh? <laughs> you want my honest opinion, John? The food uh, was, sh- the food was
1: shit there. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was terrible. Like,
0: again, I go back to the question, what is the level of the certain amount of charm versus when you, uh, when you up your, uh, expectation level? The I, company was great though. The
1: company was great. I, I love seeing all those familiar faces. It was good. It was good seeing Neil Adams again. It was nice seeing Eric Creechman again. It
0: was, it was honestly like going into a time warp. It was really cool. Like I felt like it was back in 2006 or something because so many of the old regulars came. The bar, is identical it has not yeah, changed like ab- I- I- in the least uh well, they, got,
1: they got more tvs there you know
0: they got more tvs and somehow uh less sound
1: <laughs> that's amazing uh the washrooms are nicer i was so pleasantly surprised when i went down to to you know you relieve myself and i was like i walked in the toilet and i'm like wow they renovated this it's amazing
0: well, there you go. That's, that's your O'Grady's update. Uh, maybe we'll do another one in, in, in 10 years and we can, we can find out, uh, because it, God only knows that place will be absolutely identical, uh, 10 years from now, but uh, that they, was, uh, they, they was a, get a very their, fun get together.
1: They better get their fucking fish and chips sorted out. That's all I'm going to say.
0: Oh boy. You're going to hear the, the wrath of WH. Well, let's, let's put a bow on the G1. We're not going to go, uh, super in depth on everything because as is very evident, WH, like... Once something is over in the wrestling world, it is on to the next thing very quick, and that was my criticism of the Super J Cup. That I knew they would inevitably face was that this thing is going to have the attention for about forty eight hours, and then people go to the next thing, and it's very hard to recapture that attention. But uh, as we record this, the Super J Cup shows not up yet.
1: Nope, it's a shame. It's 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 a fucking travesty, John. I mean, seriously, like. We were talking off-air, and I said, you know, like, Game Changer Wrestling, they did, like, three shows in Tokyo, right? And one of them is in a warehouse, Shinkiba First Ring. They got these things up, like, the, in, within two days. And you have, like, the second biggest wrestling company in the world, and they haven't put out these three shows. in like, the one match that's just got a ton of buzz, Amazing Red versus Will Osprey. I want to see this match, but, like, I got all this other shit I got to watch, too, John.
0: You know what they should have done? To be honest, that should have been the priority match, and you put that out for free, and say the entire shows are coming. Here is a here is a make good just for us. We know these have been delayed. Here's Osprey and Amazing Red. You could you could post that up minus commentary, and I don't think you would have one complaint.
1: No, exactly, and it, I I don't know why it's not up on New Japan World. I you and I are complaining about this. Can you imagine what the Japanese fans? are saying, I, I, I don't necessarily, you know, delve deeply into Japanese wrestling Twitter or social media that much, but I can't imagine they're happy that they have to wait so long for these shows to go up for, and at least with like, say, Royal Quest or, you know, the, the Australia show they did, there's a kind of a reason why, I'm not saying it's a good reason, but there's a kind of reason why they put those up on delay later because they're, you know, they're, they've got to deal with fight TV that they have exclusives for these shows before, you know, they put them, back, put them up for free, so to speak, for, for world subscribers. But there's no reason, discernible reason that I can find for why they're not putting these up on, 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 you know, New Japan World, like, by now.
0: Yeah, I just think that in this day and age, if you have an event, if you're going to go to the extent of sending your crew over to the United States, you've got to be able to make these shows available for people. Like, or else you're just, you're leaving money on the table you're also leaving goodwill on the table that is going to dissipate so i just feel and and for the people that will come back that it, this inevitably comes up is that well we're just so spoiled now well i'm not living in 2004 anymore i don't i don't have to necessarily wait for all of this because i have plenty of options and i think that this is this is what the bar is set at this is what your expectation level is at and if it can't be met then you're you're sending away uh at the very least, you're upsetting some of your fan base that wants to watch your 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 product, that wants to follow your business, and it's just fleeting to make all these expenses, fly your crew across for three shows, and not make the full capitalisa- capitalization that you can have on on an event like that that has the attention of the wrestling community for at least uh, three nights.
1: Yeah, and I I don't understand like in like you're saying in this day and age, there's so much options out there for your wrestling, you know, entertainment for, for fans attention and their money that, you know, new Japan is doing this. Like they, they, you know, they seem to be so enraptured with this idea of Western expansion. Like, okay. You you went to the States, you had three shows there. They got a lot of buzz, but no one's talking about anymore because guess what? Like AEW just had a big pay-per-view recently. And everyone's talking about that. Everyone's talking about fucking Chris Jericho losing his belt for God's sakes, more than the, this awesome matches, you know that happened during the over these course of these three shows.
0: Uh, we segued off into our, our ranting, but back uh, to back to the G one. Uh, I guess I, I want to get from you some of your your top matches that stand out, uh, top performers, and maybe we can go through uh, some of the performers that uh, got the pass, maybe some that got a failing grade. Um, your overall thoughts of the 2019 uh, G one, and you would be the authority on this, given that you've watched. It, All of them, uh, where the finals stacked up against uh, prior years.
1: Well, I, I gotta say it was a bit let down overall this year. I know there was some amazing matches throughout the whole tournament, but I gotta say, John, I'm I'm still not on board with with Jay White. He just does nothing for me. Like I recognize his talents, but they don't resonate with me on any emotional level. So that finals was incredibly disappointing, especially when you you factor in, like, I have to watch Ghetto getting in there. I know it's people will argue it's minimal. He got ejected. There's part of the story. But I don't want to see that story in New Japan, John. I certainly don't want to see it in something like the G1, which I, personally, my opinion, I consider sacrosanct. You know, like, fucking just keep that pure wrestling. Please. I I don't want to see the nonsense that I have to endure in other J. White matches. Just keep it clean in the G1 final, okay? Like, Red Shoes like she just ejects Ghetto right away and they just have a clean match and the other thing is is like the kind of heels I like John are the ones who bend the rules who take advantage of the rules but don't outright break the rules and like don't make the referees look like a bunch of morons and that's the problem with like not just Jay White matches this is kind of indicative of an overall that, that's
0: a New Japan issue that's yes. a New
1: Japan issue where it's he's, he's a he's uh, symptomatic of that you know I don't want to see that. It just, it just bothers me. It's one of the reasons why, you know, if someone says to me, what's your favorite promotion in wrestling? And those will some people will automatically assume it's New Japan for me. And I'm like, no, I, I love New Japan. I do, but it's, I can never say that they're my favorite wrestling promotion. Like, you know, like a hundred percent certainty. Like I'm always like, eh, I like this company a bit more because of this. I like this company a bit more because of this. So it, it's, it's one thing that really, Actively turns me off from like some of the some of the the acts in the company itself.
0: You know what what company I think suffers the most from just a lack of a platform and not not a lack of a platform, just a smaller one. Uh this year for me is all Japan. I oh. think their big shows don't get anywhere near the buzz that uh, like to me like a Kento Miyahara triple crown match now is as big as anything in terms of a, a main event title match if you're a fan of like that aspect of professional wrestling like the big title match feel and i just think all japan just suffers from what a lot of promotions are going to suffer from and that's just that there's so much product out there people aren't scouring for everything beyond you know a hardcore base
1: for me like i think kento Hara has had the most consistently entertaining title reign this year of any like major you know you, it depends what you're considering major. I consider All Japan still a major company because it's so dear to my heart. But like, Kenno Miyahara is like a level of performer on par with Okada, with Tanahashi. And you're right, he doesn't get as many plaudits as those guys because he's in a smaller company. Um, I think Noah also suffers the same thing because I think they have a very solid like card roster in general. I, I think it's a little weak on top because I do think Kaito Kiyomiya has not lived up to my expectations as a champion. Uh, I, we can talk about him a bit later when we talk about the, the N1 victory tour. Um, uh, but yeah, I totally agree with you. But for this, this G1, like, I, I, was not enamored with it. I didn't like the way Jay White got into the finals. I didn't like the finals itself, regardless of how it ended, which, you know, we're, it was exciting, but I, I like the, you know, the, the, the B block finals more. I, was that, wait, which one, which block was Jay White and Naito in? Jay
0: White was in the B block.
1: Okay. I like the A block finals more than, you know, so the, the stuff with, with Kanahashi and Nabushi was just amazing again. And like, it, it, it was great. Uh, for my, my top matches, I'll go with like, uh, uh this kind of like in order. Uh, so uh, from, I picked six top matches. I had John Moxley versus Tomohiro Ishii from, uh, July 19th. Uh, from, uh, above that is Shiko Takagi versus Tetsuya Naito from August 4th. Uh, above that is, uh, Shiko Takagi versus Tomohiro Ishii from J- uh, August 8th. Uh, then we get into number three would be Kazuchika Okada versus Will Ospreay from July 20th. Uh, number two is, uh, Kenta versus Zack Sabre Jr. At, from August 10th. And on the same show, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Will Ospreay from August 10th as well. And just like, I, people might be surprised at the Kenta, Zack Sabre Jr., but I, I love that match. That was the closest match I felt that, that Kenta was Kenta again, John.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that goes to like the depth of some of the performances we got that Kenta, I think kind of got lost in the shuffle in that a block, but he had, I thought some tremendous, tremendous matches in this tournament. Uh, when it comes to MVP, I think you can go, I think you can go multiple ways. I think the consensus would be kind of a split between Ishii and Will Ospreay, but I also feel particularly the, the second half of the tournament, Shingo Takagi to me, cemented his spot, um, Within this heavyweight division, and had uh, just just a blowaway second half of the tournament.
1: Yeah, I mean, my top performers in order at the top is Will Ospreay, and then actually number two is Shingo Takagi, then Kota Ibushi. I think he had a very like sneaky, like you know, you know, MVP kind of a year in this tournament. And then number four would be Tomohiro Ishii. Number five for me was Zack Saber Junior. And I and I had to give honorable mention. To to Lance, bad luck, falling. Nah, well, he's on the other list, John. Uh, to Lance Archer for just like elevating himself yeah. to to a degree where I think uh, I've I've heard talk. I don't know if he's signed permanently with a company like with full time contract, but he's not. I I hope people are knocking on his door saying, "Hey, uh, are you interested in working for us? How much are they paying you? We'll pay you double that."
0: I I cannot imagine people sleeping on Lance Archer at at this point in time. I think the only thing that scares people is the number next to his age, but who cares? Like, I, I, I can see what this guy can do. I'm absolutely taking a flyer on this guy at this point, and I don't know what his his aspirations are, where you would have to be looking at the age of forty two like you're you're kind of into the twilight of your career and where do I want to spend my remaining years but I mean it was evident from that very first night in Dallas how he was viewing this tournament as probably the most important of his life the way he he got into better shape, he had new move set, just he looked like a total star going into that and performed as such and I-, I thought he was a guy that significantly, significantly increased his stock throughout this G one.
1: Yeah, it's just the follow up. I don't see him doing anything significant. Uh,
0: There's been none. There's no, like he's not figured into any of these, uh, you know, upcoming big cards. And then
1: if you know, if depending on how his contract state is, I got to think that hey, I just like killed myself to to get over with the fans, to get over with you guys, but you got nothing for me. And then if other people are knocking on my door, I'd be like, okay, let let me hear what you got to say. I, I want to know what the offers are. Oh, that's a nice dollar figure. How many zeros? Oh,
0: hmm. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm i assuming this is still up to date, but last week's Observer did report that Archer was not signed to New Japan, which is kind of crazy.
1: That's insane. Like, is Tangaloa signed yet? <laughs> this company boggles my mind, John. It really does.
0: It's It's tough given, you know, the... I mean, Lance Archer is not your your top, top guy, but he's certainly somebody that, I mean, New Japan's been through this game many, many times where talent uh contracts come due and it's, and it leaves them, you know, scrambling at the end. So it's. It, it, it's a strange decision, and also a guy that you know this guy got the kick out of the kamagoye, you know what I mean like that's a that's a notable booking decision for Lance Archer that you would think that you would want to have a guy like that uh locked up because if i'm an American promoter, if i'm a promoter anywhere, um that g one was a hell of an audition by Lance Archer for all potential suitors of
1: yeah, there. I would say even including the WWE who maybe before might not have been interested, but guess what they're they're in acquisition mode you know, with AEW also being in acquisition mode. Um, I think there's a bit of an arrogance on, like, say, Ghetto's part, that he thinks, oh, no one wants to leave New Japan. They want to stay here. Well, No, if the money's good, people are going to leave. I'm I'm sorry. It doesn't matter how good the company is or how good the wrestling is in your company. Like, at the end of the day, it's how much money you're going to offer people. Uh,
0: Just um, looking ahead... Who on these blocks uh, can you see not getting the invite back next year? And I do feel like this is uh, something that every year, I think you should have a couple new names. I think that's really good to have. Like, you don't want to have identical lineups every year. So if you're looking at these two blocks, who could you see not getting the invite back in 2020?
1: Uh, I'm um, hoping by luck folly doesn't get called back. I mean, he really shit the bed this year. I don't care like how deep he is in with management, with his pipeline, with his dojo, sending talent over there. Um, the other person I thought was rather disappointed with was Jeff Cobb. I thought he had a very lackluster tournament. I I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get the call back. Like, to, I can see him doing World Tag League with somebody. I don't see him getting into the G1, maybe the New Japan Cup. But like, I would look at his performance overall and think, yeah. We don't need him, especially if there's, like, some hot up-and-coming, like, you know, North American star or UK star out there that you could, like, give a spot to. Go with that.
0: Yeah. I I would also – at this point, I'd be very surprised if John Moxley is in next year's tournament just because of his contractual status and availability to be able to go and do five to six weeks next uh, – well, I guess we're – we may be looking at a Fall G one
1: next yeah, year. Yeah, which I, I'd be happy about. I have to change the name of the the series to like uh, Awesome Autumn or something like that.
0: Oh, I love it! That's great. This this could bring back uh, WH if they did the finals in in Sumo Hall next year. A G one final in Sumo Hall, and maybe WH would be more willing to go if this were an October. Final. If it's
1: an October final, I am definitely going, John, for sure. And I, I I'm already I've we've talked about it already. I'm already gonna do like every year. I'm going to do a new episode of Krill Summer talking about the year before.
0: What do you think makes the most sense to do the 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 bulk of the tournament throughout September? Just wipe out your destruction tour and then King of Pro Wrestling becomes the G1 final? Is that how you would assume that this would likely play out? I
1: don't know. I mean, it's such a moneymaker for them, John. It's like the
0: thing about the
1: G1 is that the finals fall in the the – the holiday period in japan called oban where people get a week off mm-hmm. so usually it falls in like with oban so people can take those three days and go to tokyo and that's and right. so many other companies revolve their tokyo schedule around the g1 climax the three block blocks of shows so I, I it would affect all these other shows like it would affect stardom uh big japan pro wrestling ddt you know like these other companies would be affected a lot of joshi companies run shows during this time so i i don't know if they're going to be able to shift their dates on these shows to like you know coincide with the g1 that's going to bring in a lot of fly-in people from other countries
0: yeah i i will say after this weekend i would do night number one uh back in london at the copper box
1: Oh, yeah. I, I just started watching that. I'm, I'm only playing catch up nudge on. I'm so behind on stuff. Like this weekend.
0: Oh, you, you made the right decision. Watch that on, uh, watch that after the fact and not. Oh, watch.
1: yeah. I like we could talk about fight TV in a second, but, uh, like after the, the, the Australia show, I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not doing that again. I mean, for that, I, I did it because I was doing the review for you guys, but if I had my druthers, I, I would not order anything from fight TV. I think they have. Proven to have a really terrible track record. I know they blamed the copper box, like, having poor signal. But seriously, are you fucking telling me you can't do a fucking speed check in the building, like, the day before? You know, the whole – of a three-hour block? See,
0: I've had the opposite. Like, I typically have had no problems on Fight TV. But that day was a nightmare to the point that uh, I made the decision right then and there that for All Out later that night, I just ordered it on my regular pay-per-view. I was – not going through the potential of that happening again. So um, it, it was terrible. Like the first half of that show, it was so frustrating because you could see this was an unbelievable crowd. It was so hot. And I, I think that this show I, – I finished this show, and with all those technical problems, I could still appreciate how great of a show it was. But had I been able to watch that uh, uninterrupted, I I think that more people would have uh, focused on Royal Quest as the big show coming out of the weekend. In my, opinion. I think
1: so too. I think you know, like the fact that you had a show with a main event like Walter and Tyler Bate on the NXT Takeover in Cardiff, which I haven't seen yet. I just I'm just going based on the buzz I've been hearing about it that it would have like. Because there was no problems with the WB Network stream that, you know, Royal Quest would have probably overtaken that. And, like, there was no problems with, you know, All Out. So, you know, I think, you know, the conversation with all, Royal Quest gets a, a little bit lost. I think just the sheer fact that, like, you know, Okada and Minoru Suzuki had this awesome match that people are still talking about, like, a week later is, is a testament to those two guys.
0: Yeah, definitely. But I, I think, you know, this year I thought it was a worthwhile experiment to take the first night and go to a different place, but to me, Dallas was not an overwhelming success. Uh London was. And I would a hundred percent go back there and I would do the first night of the G one there. That would be my I my totally pick right agree
1: now. with you. Like they can easily sell out of a building like the Cobra box and uh without having the cachet of it being a G one, you know, night. It's it, They just based it on, okay, it's after the G1. It's our first major show after the G1, and we didn't announce anything. And then, you know, as soon as they started announcing the talent, tickets started selling. But they didn't announce any matches until, like, you know, fairly recently. And then it's boom. Like, they had an awesome crowd there. Like, and you and I have talked about this before about Dallas. Like, it's just a weird place to go to. I feel like it's not... It was a Labor Day weekend or no, it was a, it was a July 4th weekend. So it's a holiday yeah. weekend. Dallas is not traditionally a, a hub for professional wrestling fly-ins. You had to compete with all these other AEW shows as well. It's, it was a big mess. Ultimately, like the crowd that were there, bless you. You were awesome. It, it made the atmosphere, but like whenever I see those empty seats in the back, it just brought me down, John.
0: All right, uh, any closing thoughts uh, before we move on Uh, and wrap up the G1?
1: Yeah, no more Batluck Folly. Please, get the fuck out of that thing.
0: We now move on over to the the fall tour that they have. Uh, The Road to Destruction shows have begun. Uh, This will be leading up to three destruction shows that are – mixed into the schedule over the next couple of weeks and we also have had the start of the Young Lion Cup and I just started uh I watched the first four matches uh just last night uh we had on September 4th uh Alex Coughlin versus uh Yota and this uh featured Alex Coughlin defeating him after uh what did he hit him with uh this is just with the Boston Crab uh with a big Le- leaning back and putting a ton of pressure on him. Then Clark Connors versus Shota Umino. Also saw uh, Clark Connors uh, representing the LA Dojo wins with a Boston Crab. After wrenching back on the back for the submission. Then we go to September the 5th. Michael Richards versus uh, Yuya Uemura. And this featured... A Boston okay. Crab submission finish at 947. And then Carl Fredericks versus Ren which I thought was the best match of the first four that I saw. And this featured Ren Narita applying the half crab, but then turned it into his uh, new submission that he's been using that I guess is, uh, he's going and calling it the Narita special which is kind of like his variation of the sharpshooter, and he won this in seven minutes, seven seconds. So if you're a fan of the the Young Lions and this particular class that I think is outstanding, uh, these are all really fun matches, and the only guy I was seeing for the first time was Michael Richards, who's from the Fallet Dojo and kind of looks like a, a super young version of Zach Gibson. That's my best comparison. He's got some good facial expressions. I, I
1: saw him on the Australia show, but I can't remember – him at all john i like i think he was in a match with my you know uh Aaron solo or something i i don't know like i i have it like a, this weekend is my catch-up i think we're getting hit by a typhoon in namazu so like i have no i oh, have dear. all the excuses just to stay home and watch wrestling i got a lot to catch up on
0: well looking ahead uh the destruction in in bepu card is on september 15th that'll be headlined by tanahashi zack saber jr for the british heavyweight title destruction in kagoshima Am I it's pronouncing correct. that correctly? Correct, Wh uh, Kota Bushi versus Kenta in their rematch from Dallas with Abushi's uh, IWGP title contract on the line. That will also feature the junior heavyweight tag title match with El Taiji Shimori versus Will Osprey and Robbie Eagles. And then the big one is Destruction in Kobe, September twenty second. Tatsuya Naito, Jay White for the IC title, and a singles match which should be really hot between Hiroki Goto and Shingo Takagi. So. Uh, I would say pretty standard fare for the destruction shows. You typically have, I would say, one major show spread out among three.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm most excited about the uh, the junior tag team title match with the. The Birds of Prey, that's an awesome name for a tag team, by the way. I love it. Yes. Uh, against uh, Fantasmo and Taiji Ishimori and the the Goto and Shingo Takaki singles match. That should be awesome. Also, like on the Kobe show, John, is what I think will be the finals of the Young Lions Cup, which is like where they have uh Shota Ubinou and uh, Carl Fredericks slated to face each other. Yes. I think it's going to, the points are going to end up being, these two are going to be the finalists. It's the... Most logical thing, especially Carl Fredericks. He got a lot out of his participation in the G1 this year in the undercards.
0: He did. I, I think of this young lion, uh, class I- involving, uh, both the LA Dojo and the New Japan Dojo guys. To me, um, the head of the class for me right now are Carl Fredericks and Ren Narita. And I have Shota Umino just kind of right on the cusp below those two. That's where. I mean, there's so much depth. It's going to be really fascinating to look at where these guys are in five years. Yeah,
1: Shota Umino has got, you know, like all the buzz, but to me, Ren Narita is like going to be the one who really, I think he's going to surpass him in the long run, John. He reminds me of Shinjiro Tani, like 1991 Shinjiro Tani. And if you don't know what 1991, 1992, shit, just go from 1991 until, like, 1999 Shinjiro... Junior Heavyweight Shinjiro Tani. Go watch him. He's, like, the top three... In the top three best workers in the world at this time. This is a period where we're including fucking Shawn Michaels and Okabashi, John.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, as well, I'd be remiss not to mention, like, Yuya Uemura, his... His selling when he is fighting to get that rope break is amazing. Like, when you see, like, comical selling, this guy, it's like... It's so intense. I I think that he's got that aspect down at such a young age. It's really fun to watch these guys and just see the progressions that come at you pretty fast when you see where a guy is just versus three months ago. Oh, and he's
1: going to sell a lot of merchandise to the female fans, John. Like, I think he's the best-looking guy of all those guys in the Young Lions class right now. He's the guy I think they're looking at. We can sell some photo books with this young man. We can sell a lot of those fans with wrestlers faces on them and he's going to sell a lot of them hand towels and stuff mark my words, shot he's going to be a top merch maker for this company in the next 10 years
0: he can sell in any element of the pro this wrestling game this is true and then uh just the last show that they've announced of course the annual king of pro wrestling is october 14th uh do, do you still celebrate canadian thanksgiving WH? i never celebrated canadian thanksgiving john <laughs> Oh, uh, well, then it's just another Monday for you. Uh, Kazuchiko Okada versus Sonata for the IWGP heavyweight title. Moxley versus Juice Robinson, no DQ for the United States title. And then Will Ospreay, El Fantasmo for the IWGP junior heavyweight title. But, uh, I have a question, uh, given that I am a New Japan World subscriber, uh, why is El Fantasmo getting a title shot?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know, John. Like, <laughs> did he do something? Did did something happen with this guy?
0: I have no idea, yeah. I'm just I'm just paying attention to what's been made available. So I I don't know. Where where did this match I, come out of?
1: The,
0: Why are Osprey and Robbie Eagles challenging for the, the title? The way cuts?
1: ghetto books is a mystery to me sometimes, John. I have no idea.
0: In, in fairness, they have said that they are voicing those shows this week, so I'm imagining they will be up pretty soon. But um well, you know, we we skipped over with Royal Quest. What did you think about the way they handled the uh, not so much the fight TV deciding to run it on pay per view, but then you have it up, uh, two days later on New Oh, Japan I think World. that was
1: a, that was like, uh, what, what would we call it? That was like, you know, a, a give to the, all the fans who ordered it and had that streaming problem. Like, it was like, okay, sorry, here you go. We're gonna release it. I think they released it sooner than they were, they were planning to, just because, like, the streaming was so fucked up on the day of. And even the replay, like, I remember listening to, to Benno talk about it, like, the replay was the same fucked up stream that they had at the time. And it was like, you can't clean this shit up before you put up on the VOD. So I think they were just like doing uh, damage control and just saying, okay, here it is. we We're going to put up on new Japan world. Just go watch it there. If you're already a subscriber.
0: I, I think that that's probably was the thinking and I can understand the sentiment. I do feel when they do these, I think as just a heads up to your audience. I just think it's a, it's a nice gesture to say, Hey, this is where it's going to be airing live if you choose to and give a date when we are planning to put it up instead of this guessing game. Because I think that definitely went into people's thinking looking at the Super J cup shows that man, I want to watch this show, but I don't want to wait a week plus to see this show. And you know, it's to me, it's something that yes, it may, it may cost you some, some live buys, but I think in the long run, it's a nice sentiment to your audience that okay, they do have, uh, my, they do have my budget in mind as well. Uh, if I'm willing to shell this out, uh, if it's going to be on Monday, that might al- that might alter my decision making process. And I am a paying subscriber on this well, service. How
1: much did it cost on Fight TV, John?
0: It was twenty four ninety
1: nine. I'm sorry that that's that's bullshit. Like for for you expect loyal New Japan World subscribers. Like I'm one of them. Like and I'm one of many to keep like subscribing and pay extra. For these shows, like, to see them live, that's, I don't know, John. I, I gotta think they're rethinking their, their relationship with fight TV, as I think they're gonna re, re rethink a lot of things about this, you know, quote unquote, western expansion that they're doing. Um, I, I don't see, like, these kind of things that are generating ill will with, like, their long-term fans, especially the native fans here in Japan. I don't see these things, like, being, like, things that they'll accept easily. Like, if you and I are complaining about them, like, they, they gotta be, like, why are we getting, like, the short end of the stick? We're the ones to support this fucking company through the dark days of Enochism, you know? Um, uh,
0: the Fighting Spirit Unleashed Tour we have coming up at the end of the month, which uh, presumably uh, we probably won't get cards for this until some of these destruction shows are over. Maybe not until the Kobe show is over, which is going to give uh, just about, what, f- a couple of days before this tour starts? So I don't, I don't even know necessarily what we'll see on these cards. They haven't announced, announced talent, though. Yeah, they've shows.
1: announced, like, so Tanahashi, Ibushi, Okada, Ishigoto, Yoshiashi, all of LIJ, uh, Jay White, uh, Girls of Destiny, and Kenta. I want to know when they're going to go up on the on New Japan World, John, maybe just in time for uh, Wrestle Kingdom.
0: I, I don't know what the turnaround will be on, on these particular shows, but... Um, you know, they, they've done very well uh, with Philadelphia and New York. I think it's Lowell that still has uh, tickets left. But they should have some really hot crowds. And I think you would be uh, remiss not to look at what what is the future of this New Japan Ring of Honor partnership.
1: Oh, I think it's going to be in its dying days. If not this year, then definitely in uh, 2020, John. Like, I don't see them... They've already, like, basically told them to go fuck themselves because they're, they're running the, their buildings. These All these buildings in Boston, in in Philadelphia, <laughs> they're, they're all Ring of Honor buildings.
0: These are all ROH buildings, yeah. So, I mean, we saw just at the Summer Supercard, SummerSlam Weekend, I mean, the New Japan representation, which that was promoted as a card that would have New Japan talent, CMLL talent. The New Japan representation was the Gorillas of Destiny, and that was it. Um, and now these shows... I mean, it's only natural that New Japan asks if, if we've got this demand with our standalone product, uh, do we need this? And I think that that, it's going to be very interesting how those promotions historically view that Madison Square Garden show, because on the surface, that was a tremendous night, but the fallout of it, uh, could very well have, you know, precipitated like New Japan having the confidence that they can, uh, go on their own. And I guess you look at Dallas, what did, How did they view Dallas and why that show – I don't want to say didn't work because it it wasn't a uh, – that show was not a failure, but it was not at the level that they probably wanted.
1: I think they probably got a sweetheart deal on the rental of the place from Mark Cuban and they – what did they get? 5,000 people, John? Something like that?
0: I think that was about the the amount, which you know, in a that that's a really nice number, but in a giant arena, which I, I've been to the American Airlines Center, that thing is a gigantic uh, arena. Um You know, we, we saw the visual uh, re- reflect I think, that.
1: I think they made money off of it, so I think I think as long as they thought, hey, we didn't lose money, we actually made some money off of this. It's a success, so mm-hmm. they'll probably go back to the states for a G one show. But I agree with you; yeah, they should go to London next year. For, for the opening night at least, uh, if they're gonna do an overseas show for the G one, um, yeah, I mean if you're gonna do a big what twenty thousand seat venue, you gotta announce matches, not just names. You have to announce the matches, like at least the main event and semi main event of these shows, so people will make a decision because that that's you're competing with all these other groups, John. You're competing with WWE and you're competing with AEW for like you know the traveling fan and. They only have so much money in their budget.
0: So I am uh I am very behind on, on some of these tournaments that are going on, but uh tell us about the stardom five star Grand Prix that is uh in the midst of uh its its annual
1: Well, tour right uh now. the Stardom Five Star Grand Prix, for those who might not know, is like their version of of the G1 climax. Uh, it started on August 17th this year and it's going to finish on the 22nd of this month at, at Corican Hall. It's a two block round robin uh, league format. There's 18 wrestlers in it. Uh, let me get my notes. Uh, there's two blocks. So they they divide the blocks into red, red stars and blue stars. So in the red block is Mayu Iwatani, Momo Watanabe, Hanakimura, Hazuki, uh, Tom Nakano, Saki Kashima, uh, Sumire Natsu, Azumi and uh, a wrestler from Australia by the name of Avery. She, no, she was originally slated. There was a, one wrestler who was slated to come in, but she had visa problems, and then Azumi was uh, sl- was picked to fill her spot. Uh, in blue block is Kagetsu, Konami, Arisa Hoshiki, Andres Miyagi, Utami Hayashishida, uh, Jungle Kiona, Natsuki Tora, uh, B. Priestley, who's the current uh, Red Champion, which is their version of the world title, and uh, Jamie Hayter. Uh, I haven't watched really anything from this, John. T- Tomorrow's my catch-up day for 5-star Grand Prix, Royal Quest, and probably uh, most of the major matches from the TakeOver show. Uh, but I think it's going to come down to, just if I think about it logically, I think it's going to come down to Momo Tanabe versus Arisa Hoshiki in the finals. And I think the winner of that is going to get a shot at B Priestley for the uh, Stardom Red Belt. Um, I I'm, think I'm going to go with Momo on this because I think she's... Her, her story is like she's going to become like the new Io Shirai of the company like she's you know the person who i think they have they're pinning all their main event hopes on her and hazuki in the future and then like arisa hoshiki has been doing wonders with the the white belt in stardom like their their roster is very very solid john like regardless if it's a male roster or female roster they have one of the strongest companies and like just they can just have all these great like title matches with the red belt and their white belt. And it's, and it's going to draw money like corkin their Korokin shows are doing f- pretty well. All things considered.
0: Uh, we also have, uh, Noah has their N1 victory tournament that's uh, going on right now. So this consists of, uh, in the a block, we have a uh, Takeshi Segura, Goshi Ozaki, Masa Kiremiya, and Namichi Marufuji, as well as MLW's Alex Hammerstone. And, uh, we can talk about that, uh, partnership that they've got going on. And then in the B block, uh, Masaki Mochizuki, Ketsuhiko Nakajima, Kano, El Hio de Dr. Wagner Jr., and Shuhei Tanaguchi. And, uh, actually this weekend, uh, MLW is airing the Go Shiozaki Alex Hammerstone match. So if you do watch Fusion, um, it looks like there's going to be, uh, Noah content on there that will be part of this, uh, this relationship that MLW and Noah has going on.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's proving you know pretty fruitful so far. Like Hammerstone's getting over with the, the Noah crowds. He's he's getting a lot of coverage in the magazines. Like you know, he's all over like the the Noah section of uh, Weekly Pro. Um, I, I I'm hoping he's gonna come back. He seems to be acquitting himself very well. Uh, as far as this tournament goes, like I, I, I'm gonna guess the finals are gonna be Marafuji versus Kanoe. Uh, since they keep building like this rivalry between these guys, but they hardly wrestle against each other. And I, you know, the the, the result of this match, uh, of like this tournament, will be the winner gets a shot at uh, Kaito Kiyomiya's GHC heavyweight title at the uh, November Sumo Hall show that Noah's running. And I'm going to that with Jojo Remy. I'm excited about to see that. But I, I don't see like Keno being being a big enough star to to be in the title match for a Sumo Hall show. I think Marufuji is the safe bet for that so that's who i'm picking to win the whole thing
0: yeah um it, it's interesting to watch noah right now like they have the, this recently announced uh deal with mlw uh they've also announced that they're sending mara Fuji over to work bound for glory with impact in about a month and a half i think that's october 20th uh in chicago so it's kind of interesting to see what kind of um what kind of awareness there is uh, of Noah now that they have these relationships, and in theory, you'll have the chance to see a some of the Noah talent uh, come over because presumably they'll be sending some for future MLW shows as well,
1: and maybe for for Impact as well, John. So like, it, it seems there's like this, you know, like Noah's trying to develop all these relationships with companies that aren't affiliated with. You know, either AEW or WWE or you know New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's it's it, it, they're a very interesting company. Like I worry about them still because like recent Corkin shows and like you can measure the success of any Japanese company by how well they do in and Hall. Um, you know, they're not doing that great in some of these in some of their recent Corkin shows. So I worry a little. I'm worried about the Sumo Hall show. I'm excited to go to it, but like. What are they going to do to get people to go into that? I don't know. I imagine that maybe out rising out of the uh, Sushi Aoki Memorial Show that All Japan had, where they sent people there, that maybe they're going to get All Japan participation at the Sumo Hall show. It would be a big win for All Japan to to run, even if it's not under their banner, to run some matches in Sumo Hall.
0: Yeah. I, I do like kind of Noah's attitude towards all this. I think they... Like they have an awareness of where we are in the overall market space and we need to be making deals and we need to be putting our shows out on YouTube to get as much attention as possible. And I think that sometimes you can fall into the trap where you, you know, believe you're at a certain level that you're, you're kind of above this stuff. And I think with Noah, like they're trying different things. And I think people realize that they're trying to make their product more accessible to people outside of. Uh, outside of you know their their general followers that they have at the moment,
1: I think one of their strengths is their undercard. They have a very strong junior division, both in the singles uh, division and their tag team division. And like their tag team situation is actually pretty good too. My only concern is the top because like you know Kimia is not really doing anything for me, and obviously not doing anything for the box office. Cause like, otherwise you'd have these corking shows doing a bit better. Uh, like, you know, it's a problem with a lot of the companies. There's like a lack of depth for challengers for like your heavyweight championships, except for new Japan pro wrestling. But even then we're seeing kind of like, kind of like people getting recycled into these title shots against Okada. I think, you know, it goes into this whole idea that, you know, they're, they're kind of like in a holding pattern until 2020 and like Naito gets the belt. Then, clear the decks for that. But, you know, getting back to Noah, it's like, I don't, like, okay, he's beat, has beaten Sugiera, he's beaten Marafuji, he's gonna probably face Marafuji again, he's beaten Kano, he's beaten Nakajima, I can't remember if he's faced uh, Shiozaki yet, but that's not gonna generate any <laughs> buzz or box office, John, you know. Um, they need to start working with other companies. I would totally do a match, like, you know, from, um, Guy, one of the guys who works for Big Japan for wrestling now, right now is Hideki Suzuki. He's doing shots for Noah. He had this awesome match. John, if you can get it, I think I sent it to you. Watch the match that Hideki Suzuki has with Go Shiozaki. It's amazing the way it's a technical masterpiece, the way he breaks down Shiozaki. It's so amazing. I think it's right in your wheelhouse. Um, but they should belt him up because he was the Big Japan champion for a while. Uh, I think he's the one Okabayashi beat. But put the belt on him. It would freshen things up in that company so much. Like, that's something that I was talking with, uh, Dylan Fox over at the Eastern Lariat with. Like, like, who would you belt? He said, he said Hideki and I said Hideki. I'm like, well, great minds think alike, you know? Um, but that's what they need to do. They need to like bring in outsiders and to freshen things up because like, otherwise no one's going to be interested in like Kiyomiya just fating and the same dudes over and over again.
0: Final tournament to talk about. This one kicks off next weekend. It's all Japan's Royal Road Tournament. Uh, tell us about uh, what, what are the highlights that, that you have uh, going into this tournament and kind of what your expectations are.
1: Yeah. So the Royal Road tournament, it's their annual September tournament. It's their version of like the New Japan Cup. The Champions Carnival would be the G1. So this is the New Japan Cup. It starts next week on the 14th of September in Sanjo City in Niigata and finishes on September 23rd in Nagoya. Uh, so it's a single elimination tournament. The brackets look like this. So we have Kento Miyahara versus Joe Doring. And the winner of that will face off against, uh, Jiro Ikimen Kuroshio, uh, who takes on Yoshitatsu. Uh, Naoya Nomura versus Sam Adonis coming back to All Japan and uh, the winner of that will take on Dylan James who takes on Zeus uh, then we have Suwama versus Jake Lee uh, and the winner of that will take on the winner of uh, Yuma Aoyagi versus Kai who's making a return back to New J- All Japan and finally uh, we have Gianni Valletta my favorite wrestler in uh, All Japan versus Koji Iwamoto the winner of that will take on the winner of Ryoji Sai and uh, Shuji Ishikawa Uh I'm going on total guess here, but I'm going to predict I'm going to guess Dylan James and Jake Lee in the finals, John, and I think James needs to get the win here, follow up the amazing champions Carnival he had. Yes, he's kind of like quieted down, but he had that awesome match with Okabashi. He had that awesome match with Zeus, and they have done anything, so I think they need to put the put the rocket back on this guy. I don't know if I'd have him beat Kento. Cause I, 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 think I would like to see Kento beat Kawada's record defense, record of defenses. I think, which is a 10. I want to see him beat that. I think they need to have him beat that. But yeah, Dylan James versus Kento Mihara, I, I would go to, you know, I would go to Corican for that. I would go to a bigger building to see that if it's, if it's on the weekend, not, not on weekdays. It's hard for me to do that.
0: Uh, yeah, and th- this is a tournament where you could you could have easily two challenges come out of this with the winner and then someone else knocking off Kento Miyahara. And that, that can take you through the end of the year.
1: I think the way I would do that is I would have Miyahara beat Doring and like either Kirshio or Yoshitatsu. And then I would have like – personally, I would have like mm, – no, wait. That wouldn't work because Dylan James has to go through. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like oh, – David, he he gets knocked out by uh, – you could do – you could have Kento lose against Joe Doring. He would be the most credible challenger because, like, he's been a former Triple Crown champion and the fans love him. I don't think you're going to either get – like, Yoshitatsu has already had a challenge and uh, Kurishio, he's garbage. He's the guy with the jacket, John. I fucking hate this guy.
0: What if Yoshitatsu uh, and Eichmann uh, had a UK double man. pinfall and they both advance to the next round and then you have a three-way?
1: This is not SmackDown, John. This is not the king of the ring, where right? <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't happen. They would just both be eliminated. That would that would be ideal for me, you know. I, I'll give Yoshi Tatsu credit. He had that awesome triple crown match against Kento, but he hasn't done anything since that. There's no follow up with this guy, either from the company or from himself. Um so yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think you get two challenges out of this. Doring and James, like they're a tag team, they're they're called Bomber. Why not? It'll be a bomber fall for, for Kento leading up to hopefully, John, we're going to see a triple crown defense from him in January and you'll be there live in Cork and Hall to see it.
0: Oh, believe me, getting to see a Kento Miyahara triple crown title defense live is certainly one of the, the hopes that I have for that, that, that trip in January. But, um, I know that Miyahara, he's coming off I have not watched it yet, but this uh incredible match with uh Naoya Nomura from uh just last week that sounds like it was out of this world. So um I will have to catch up on that.
1: It was fantastic, John. I love Naoya Nomura. I, I think He's
0: awesome. He's a fantastic, fantastic talent.
1: He is going to like they have to pull the trigger on him and Jake Lee soon. I, I really feel that like twenty twenty has is a make or break deal with these guys. I don't want like it to be a situation like in Noah where they never pulled the trigger on Morishima until it was too late. They never pulled the trigger on Kenta until it was too late. They never pulled the trigger on Marafuji until it was too late. I don't want to see that happen with Lee or Nomura or even like say, uh, Yuma Oyagi, who's kind of like, like he's the kind of underneath these guys, but he, he should get a shot. I don't see him become triple crown champion, but he could be a solid challenger for these titles. Um, Yeah, I, yeah, Nomura, it was great, John. Like I just I want Nomura to be the next Triple Crown champion. I want him to face Kento in in Corkin Hall in January. I want us to be there. It'll be magical if he's the challenger and, and we get to see it and he wins the belt. Can you imagine? That'll that'll be better than Wrestle Kingdom, John.
0: I feel just uh given karma, you're you're gonna end up with Eichmann maybe challenging
1: oh fuck that guy no ikiman it's ikiman i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah it means metrosexual in japanese john
0: all right uh before we uh end off this show i imagine next month it's going to be tournament recaps uh looking back at all of these tournaments that are going on um but you are going to be launching the much anticipated follow-up to your your Critically acclaimed Cruel Summer series. Uh, you made this announcement, uh, but do you want to share with the listeners what is next in the pipeline for WH Park at Post Wrestling?
1: So so I had this idea, like, you know, I was enjoying doing Cruel Summer so much. I One of the, th- the highlights of doing that show was talking to all these different people about, you know, the G1 finals. But, but I thought, what what can I do? Okay, well, you know, like, who's, who's retiring soon? Well, Shin Thunder liker who's a legend. In the world of professional wrestling, Jushin Thunder Liger, who has a plethora of amazing matches that we can talk about? Jushin Thunder Liger. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do a show about the greatest matches of Jushin Thunder Liger's career. But John, he has over 4,000 matches in his life.
0: Uh, so his WH is career. doing 4,000 shows for us, everybody. What, what an unbelievable feat this is going to be.
1: <laughs> uh, I'll be doing it on my deathbed in the age <laughs> of a hundred. Yes. Uh, but I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. But I can't pick these matches, John. Like, there's too many of them. I can't tell people. I want you to review this. So I thought, I'll make my guests do all the work. They have to pick a match. They're gonna tell, and they're gonna come on. They're gonna tell me why they picked that match. They're going to tell me the background of the match. They're going to tell me about the, the person Liger is facing in that match. I'm just going to be along for the ride for those parts. So I, I'm i so smart, John. I'm going to do less work for this one. It's You're, you're becoming I, a seasoned I, I podcaster,
0: WH. It's like you don't work harder. You work smarter as the years go on. That's right. You don't take the bumps. Make the guest bump for you.
1: That's right. And – each show will be a standalone guest, so I'm not going to have any repeats on this on this series, and I'm going to have some, uh, you know, repeats uh, like uh, people from Cruel Summer going to come back to do. Thund- and it's called Thunderstruck, by the way. I I heard you and Way like talk about how much you love the name of the
0: show. It's a great name. It's a great name. I, I thought I, I do want to give a shout out to our friends at Voices of Wrestling because they're doing a kind of a, a written series on Liger matches uh, with an awesome name of Liger Beat.
1: Have you seen the logo? Yes. The logo awesome. for that is it's awesome fantastic. Too. So, Yes, it's great. A
0: lot of creativity uh, around uh, Jushin Thunder Liger.
1: Yeah. So like – and I'm going to get guests who who maybe have never appeared on post-wrestling Ooh. time. I, you know, some new guests who are are friends of post-wrestling, have family members of post-wrestling that I've never talked to. So you can guess who that might be. But I'm also getting people who are, you know, like from other podcasts or, or wrestling journalists, so to speak, that maybe have never appeared on our network. So I'm, I'm excited to talk with them as well.
0: I'm very excited for this series. So keep it tuned to postwrestling.com. We'll have updates of, uh, when the series is going to roll out. But anyone that, uh, somehow missed any of Cruel Summer, I, I, to me, that will be a staple and, uh, an account that people can go back to. Those shows are timeless. And I I just want to say, WH, did such a phenomenal job. Uh, you know, when you laid out that idea, I knew it was a very ambitious plan and you coordinated guests. You did your fantastic research. And I don't think people can appreciate all the time that goes into uh, shows like this. And you did just an outstanding job with Cruel Summer that I think people will go back and reference um, m- many times over uh, for future G1s.
1: Uh, thanks, John. I really appreciate the kind words from both you and Wei. Like, it was, you guys helped me out so much. Kudos to Wei. Like, he, he cleaned up a lot of the audio, um, for a lot of these shows and helped me out with some of the technical stuff. So, you know, he, he is a godsend to, you know, post wrestling podcasters. Everywhere, not just to myself and to you, but to, like I'm sure to Brayden and Davey and like other people who who uh, do podcasts for for post wrestling. So you know, my my thanks to Way for all of the help he gave to me. It was it wasn't like just me. Honestly, my thanks to all the guests. Seriously, they did so much research themselves coming onto the shows and having a great amount of enthusiasm to talk with me. Like I when I started this, John, I didn't think anybody would want to talk with me, so I picked a lot of the people I already knew. Like, who might not be like well known podcasters, but then I, you know, I, I was thankfully, you know, acquainted really well with Alan Cunahan, Alan Farrell, and like he, he was enthusiastic to jump on board. And then other people, when we announced it, John, you wouldn't believe the amount of people that came out of the woodwork and saying, Oh, can I be part of it? And I'm like, I already picked a bunch That's of people. That's awesome. Sorry. So it was really flattering to me, um, that people wanted to like come onto the show with me. And, and it's been easier to get guests, like new guests. For this show and because of the success of cruel summer so I'm really thankful for that and I think it's going to be really exciting John I'm, I'm excited for you guys to, to listen to them and put them up and then you know like for the for the listeners out there to like experience some of these new voices and and familiar voices as well on thunderstruck
0: so keep uh, keep it tuned to postwrestling.com we will plenty of updates on that and give everyone uh, plenty of notice when uh, thunderstruck uh, will debut here on the post wrestling network and the reason you got so many uh, requests to be on the show, W.H., it ties back to our opening. W.H. Park is a big deal in the world, everybody, so don't you forget it. Follow him at W.H. Park 9. He is always sharing his uncensored, candid thoughts about the wrestling industry at large. Uh, so go follow him there, and you can catch him here each and every month uh, with myself as we go through uh, the entire Japanese wrestling industry. So we'll be back uh in a couple of weeks, we'll uh, we'll be back for another one of these. Let, let's try and do it before King of Pro Wrestling because that's a that's a long stretch.
1: I think so. That's a good time to.
0: Can't go so long without having my my chats with WH. So I always look forward to these. That's right, John. All right. Well, thanks everyone uh, for tuning in. Uh, Way and I will be back Monday night following Raw. Uh, WH will not be joining us after Raw, but uh, good luck, WH, catching up on all the stuff that you have uh, scheduled and uh and be safe over there i hope uh i hope everything is safe there
1: i i hope so too it shouldn't be a problem i'm used to the typhoon season here in japan just.
0: all right well thanks to all of you for listening and uh that is it goodbye